0: Heads up, everybody. I'm B. Francis Clark. And I'm Anton Anderson. And this is Sky is Black, future-facing conversations with experts, innovators, and entrepreneurs of African descent.
1: Spanning the entire Pan-African, Pan-Kwanzaa diaspora.
0: Worldwide, baby. Worldwide. Shout out to Samantha O'Sullivan, who was a 2022 Rhodes Scholar. Sam will enjoy the privilege of joining 31 other Americans invited to study at the University of Oxford. Go ahead, Sam.
1: And I want to say happy birthday to Nichelle Nichols, Lieutenant Uhura. That's right. December 28th, it's her birthday, day after mine, and I am just happy birthday, Nichelle. Shout out to Melissa Bradley
0: of 1863 Ventures. 1863 Ventures seeks to accelerate new majority entrepreneurs from high potential entrepreneurs to high growth entrepreneurs. Their vision is to create $100 billion of new wealth and economic power for and by the new majority. You can learn more at 1863ventures.net.
1: I want to give a shout out to Adrian Miller. He recently was featured in the New York Times on an article highlighting traditional foods that you often see in black culture here at New Year's. He is the author, a best-selling author, of Soul Food, the surprising story of an American cuisine, one plate at a time. He's also written a book on the President's Kitchen Cabinet, talking about the black chefs at the White House. You can find out more about him, AdrianMiller.com. He was on High in the Hog bunch of other things. He's great. Well, we will have him on the show.
0: And shout out to Samuel Sin Samuel is a black activist, a data scientist, and the founder of police scorecard. The first nationwide public evaluation of policing in the United States. The scorecard calculates levels of police violence, accountability, racial bias, and other policing outcomes for over 16,000 municipal and county law enforcement agencies. Not bad for a Stanford grad. <laughs> you can learn more at police org. And
1: since we've got New Year's coming up, I want to give a shout out to Tennessee State University's marching band. Their band, The Aristocrat of Bands. The only HBCU band performing in the Rose Parade this year. And they are a high-stepping show-style marching band based out of Nashville, Tennessee, and we are excited to see them do their variety of Jazz, classical, contemporary, popular pieces—they're going to put on a show on January first. And thank you, fellow Wakandans,
0: for joining us for pure vibranium Ujama.
1: Ujama—that
0: is right. Today we're going to be talking about our companion podcast, the Year of Ujama, and we are extremely excited about that. But you mentioned Tennessee State. Yeah, I was just at Tennessee State. Not long ago. As you know, I have roots in Memphis and in Nashville and right on. was back in Nashville for a wedding and had a chance to go by Fisk um, and to Meharry and to Tennessee State and some other places. And so that is the, the home turf right there in Tennessee. Glad to have them out here in Pasadena joining the Cali crew. And you mentioned something in passing there very, very, very quickly that I'm not going to let slip by. And I'm going to say it like this. Happy birthday to you. Uh. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Anton. Happy birthday to you.
1: This is why someone might pay you to sing. It's never going to pay me to sing. No one is paying me, Jack, nothing to sing. But thank you. If I could sing, I would be
0: on somebody's stage right now. Looking like a poor man's Lionel Richie, but yes.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you very much. Had a very uh, nice birthday. It was, it was fun. It was Amen. relaxing. I had a chance to get together with uh, family. And so it was good. So thank you.
0: Amen. You are welcome. Here's to many more great years ahead.
1: Yes, thank you.
0: Um, So we have some listener feedback and some listener gifts, do we not?
1: Yes, we did. you know, received in the mail right in time for Christmas. You heard on a previous podcast we were talking, reminiscing about thrifty ice cream and about those cylindrical scoops that they would have. Eight scoops for about 50 cents. Yeah, it was incredible good ice cream. And so what came in the mail from listener Doug up in the Central Coast a scoop. One of the cylindrical thrifty scoops. and That so is awesome. We are going to try it out once it warms up. It's cold here on the Tech Deck, so uh, probably not quite ice cream weather, but we will try it out very soon. And then, as part of our year of Ujama, we're going to find a black-owned ice cream shop and try out our thrifty ice cream scoop on that. So thank you. Yes, indeed.
0: Good looking out, Doug. You mentioned ice cream we should also mention the passing of Robert Holland Jr mm. who was the first black CEO of Ben & Jerry's ice cream and i am a huge fan of Ben & Jerry's
1: They're um, great ice cream huge
0: fan Great of Ben & Jerry's great company and so our prayers and condolences to the Holland family that's right and we also want to mention the passing of brother bishop Tutu in South Africa.
1: Desmond Tutu, rest in power.
0: Rest in power, rest in glory. This world has your imprint upon it. We are so grateful
1: for your life and for your service. Incredible leadership in helping dismantle apartheid in South Africa. Just incredible leadership. I mean, there's so
0: many people who are involved in that struggle, obviously. On the American side, I think of Arthur Ashe, think of Randall Robinson. I think of Danny Glover. I think of so many folks who have used their voices and their platforms to make a difference in that struggle. One of my favorite songs actually of all time, believe it or not, concerns South Africa. Mm. It's uh, Soweto Blues Mm -hmm. by Miriam Makiba. One of the best songs ever. Very inspiring. And every time I hear it, I'm reminded of Bishop Tutu, Nelson Mandela, of course. Of course. And so many others who fought for our freedom. That's right. So we are thankful and grateful to, to all of you. Solidarity. Right on.
1: So on a, on a lighter note, how are you doing? Doing fine. You know, it's, it's one of the weird things about having a birthday, right, during the whole sort of holiday season, between Christmas and New Year's and all that in Kwanzaa is that it's a chance to c- kind of begin to reflect and really kick off you know, my own personal new year. That's right. As well as the the new calendar year. And and so it's going well. I mean, it's it's one of those things to where this is our second year celebrating Kwanzaa and really enjoying that and having a, a fun conversations. Our son's a little older now. So when we talk about the principles, we, We talk. That becomes our dinner conversation, and and it's it's going great. I mean, overall, doing fine. It's it's a little little chilly out here, but but it's nice to have a nice coffee from my place. Mm -hmm. And shout out to my place cafe. Shout out to them.
0: I am not rocking an OSIB HCTL today. (laughs) Not rocking that. Rocking a white chocolate mocha. So no tea today little bit of coffee before we kick into 2022
1: so i'm back to my regular americano which is basically an espresso with water but you know because if i drink the espresso straight up then i'll be not necessarily vibranium infused but i will be vibrating i'll be like that's too much caffeine all at once so i have to like titrate it out and slow it down a little bit but uh but my place cafe always always a good cup of coffee or tea
0: yes back to our OSIB H and C -C CTL
1: say say that five times fast
0: I can't say it one time effectively (laughs) let alone five times fast OSIB HCTL of course is the official sky is black hot chai tea latte or the C (laughs) cold chai tea latte (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: cctl
0: <laughs> lord have mercy 2022 cannot get here fast enough
1: oh no it can take a time oh. i mean it's, we got a few more days so we might as well just like you know savor it
0: mm-hmm. i'm ready to put 2021 in the books
1: well put ready- that
0: ish in the books yes i'm ready to move on to turn the corner turn the page start something brand new start our year of pajama start our path toward wakanda
1: and are you ready? How are you doing?
0: That is irrelevant and altogether meaningless. <laughs> I'm doing okay. My daughter's had a good Christmas. I'm excited about that.
1: Christmas is a great time of year for kids. I mean, it's one of those things to where, especially when they're on the younger end of the scale, Christmas is such a magical time. And, and our, our kids had a great time Christmas. I mean, our, our little daughter just turned two, and so she's just just sort of starting to figure out that, like, I can rip this mm-hmm. without... It being a problem mm-hmm. right on you know she starts tearing at all kinds of things and of course for That's awesome for our son who's six you know he was like couldn't sleep and like waking up early you know because mm-hmm. he's you know making sure that santa t- knows what he wants and mm-hmm. left out left mm-hmm. out cookies for santa and everything it was really great
0: what i loved most is that my daughters understand now that the season is really about giving mm-hmm. and less about receiving They took a lot of time to select the gifts for for the family. And so the season is about giving and not receiving. That's right. Jesus is the reason for for the the season. season. That's right. Amen and doble amen. A vibranium infused amen. (laughs) So very quickly want to mention some deadlines that are coming up, up. Some key deadlines. If you are in the New York area and you have a child in grades 10 or 11, they can participate in the METS Afrofuturist Teen Advisory Council, which is a unique and exciting opportunity to explore science fiction, art, history, technology, music, film, and black cultures. Program participants will attend workshops with artists, scholars, and experts, conduct research between the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture and the METS Library. To me, this is an awesome, awesome program. Again, this is for folks in the New York area. So shout out to New York, New York, stand up. But the application deadline is January 3rd. So you have two seconds to get your application in. But this is a great year long program. It runs all of 2022. The Afrofuturist Team Advisory Council. We'll put a link in the show notes. But again, you have two seconds to get your application in and do it. Do it. And another deadline that is coming up is for the Black New Venture competition, which is hosted by the African-American Student Union at Harvard Business School. Mm -hmm. So shout out to Mick and Layla Cox. What's up, fam? Love you. Can't wait to see you. Cali Crew holding it down, putting in work. Right on. So the Black New Venture competition Connects promising early stage black founders with resources to develop their ventures into dynamic powerhouses. The competition serves as a launching pad for innovative ventures by providing exposure to capital, mentors, and advisors. Previous winners have gone on to raise notable pre seed and seed rounds and have been accepted into prestigious accelerators like Y Combinator and Techstars. So, who is eligible for this? So, if you are early stage, less than five years in operation, If you have raised less than $500,000 in funding to date, and you have a proven minimum viable product, then you are eligible to apply for this program. And again, the deadline is January 9th. Also coming up. Sky is Black is all about venture capital. And so if you are eligible, please consider this
1: and apply. Definitely. And Harvard's a fine school. Um, I hear it's the Stanford of the East. Well, Cal is the Berkeley of the world, so.
0: (laughs) And actually, Cal is the number one rated university.
1: I'm just saying. My wife always kind of rolls her eyes because she went to med school uh, back there. And I always talk about how, you know, sure, I mean, Stanford is great. In fact, you know, and Harvard is is a fine school. Go Bears. I say that as a Dartmouth grad. You know, and also, just as a, as a passing note, you know, Dartmouth is inviting applications for postdoctoral fellowships in black geographies and U.S. black studies. Nice. And so it's an opportunity to to teach and to be involved. We'll have a link in the show notes. Nice. Um, applicants will be selected on the basis of their academic achievements, And it's a two-year residential fellowship, so you get to be there in Hanover, New Hampshire, which makes our weather and the tech deck seem balmy mm-hmm. um, but it was, it's great um, and throughout that time the fellows are expected to pursue research and other activities while participating fully in the intellectual pro- life of the program of African and African American studies uh, the geography department and with the college overall they'll receive a an annual stipend so check it out we'll have a link in the show notes uh, it's part of the provost's fellowship program for Dartmouth Figure go that. big green
0: very nice. Very, very, very nice. Speaking of which, you know Cal and Dartmouth played in basketball a couple of weeks ago, yes?
1: Yeah.
0: And the outcome was? Go Bears. That's
1: why I didn't bring it up. Let's play hockey. We'll take you on in hockey. We will cream you in hockey.
0: I believe so. Um, if we even have a hockey team, I would be shocked.
1: But I have to say that Dartmouth actually earned probably the most... You know, all Ivy awards, all Ivy honors, including Rookie of the Year, Coach of the Year. Go Big Green. Go
0: Big Green. Of course, go Big Blue. Michigan playing in the National Championship semifinal in just a couple of days. Of course, I have roots in Michigan as well. Go Kalamazoo. So today, we'll be talking about our companion podcast, Year of Ajama.
1: Very excited about this. Uh And we're going to talk in depth about what that means and how that's going to play out. Because as we've said before, this is not one of those sort of like stunts where we're like going to go cold turkey and throw out everything in our house. You're walking the talk, walking the walk. And we're going to talk about more about what that means and how it's going to play out over the course of this coming year.
0: 2022, the year of pajama. pajama. So that conversation is coming up and looking forward to that. Right on. So in addition to some deadlines, we also have some other great events coming up. And in the spirit of hashtag Black Girl Dad, there's an event coming up on February 10th, Black Girlhood Conversations. Right on. And this is going to be a conversation between Cabria Baumgartner at Northeastern University, Annette Joseph Gabriel at the University of Michigan, Go Kalamazoo. Aria Halliday at the University of Kentucky, Habiba Ibrahim at the University of Washington, Nazira Wright at the University of Kentucky, and Crystal Webster at the University of British Columbia. And the event is The Promise, Perils, and Radical Resistance of Black Girlhood, Past, Present, and Future.
1: And when's that happening again?
0: That is happening on February 10th. It'll be online. We will put a link to it in the show notes. But... As black fathers, as fathers to black girls, I'm very interested in this conversation, especially when we talk about the future for black girls. Right on. My girls are growing up very, very fast. They're about to be, Lord have mercy, young women in the not too distant future.
1: Buckle up. <laughs>
0: and buckle up. It is a beautiful thing. Every moment of life is a beautiful thing. Every season of life is a beautiful thing. So I rejoice in the transition that is taking place. But, oh, Lord, (laughs) young women in the not-too-distant future, this is a conversation that I am very, very much interested in.
1: You know, here on Sky's Black, we also talk a lot about Afrofuturism, and I've got a couple events coming up for that. One, which you'll love this, you Mm -hmm. know, because we talk about how we're, we're paving the road to Wakanda. And we are. This is... Uh, at the Tobman Museum in Roanoke, Virginia. And it's an exhibition that's actually going on right now. It started November 14th, but going on through April 3rd. And it is with Ruth E. Carter. Af- what up? That's right. Shout out to, Ru- to you, Ruth. Mm-hmm. Um, Afrofuturism in costume design. So she's the costume designer for Black Panther, um, Coming to America, Malcolm X, Um, do the right thing Mm -hmm. and she brings so much vibrancy nuance color and texture uh, to each of these characters and they're having an exhibition with the costumes from like from black panther right there on exhibition so academy award-winning costume designer Mm -hmm. ruth e carter is an expert storyteller who harnesses the power of visual communication to share narratives of culture race and politics Afrofuturism in costume design features an unforgettable set of designs from nearly four decades of her career within an Afrofuturistic installation incorporating original artwork by artist Brandon Sadler, whose murals were also prominently featured in Black Panther. So if you're there in the Virginia area, you know, near Roanoke, go check it out running now through uh, April 3rd of 2022.
0: Love it. Big ups to Ruth E. Carter.
1: And continuing on the sort of futurism, Afrofuturism, here in Southern California at the Red Cat Theater, the Roy and Edna Disney and CalArts Theater in downtown L.A., is another exhibition called Black Quantum Futurism, CPT Reversal. So reading the description, Black Quantum Futurism is an interdisciplinary creative practice between Kaime Iowa, and Radesha Phillips, weaving quantum physics with Afro-diasporic concepts of time, ritual, text, and sound. Their work creates counter-chronologies and grandmother paradoxes and envisions black quantum womanist futures that rupture exclusionary versions of history and future. I have to say, I'm really not quite sure what that all means but it sounds interesting
0: it's it's cpt is what that is something
1: and continuing on this practice spans writing music film visual arts creative research with a focus on recovering collecting and preserving communal memories histories and stories through its work alongside of collaborators the black quantum futurism aims to develop and enact a new spatiotemporal consciousness this sounds like something that's going to kind of expand my mind. And mm-hmm. it's exciting because it's something that's going on also now through March 5th. So if you're in Southern California, go check it out at the Red Cat Theater, Black Quantum Futurism. Love
0: it. It reminds me of the phrase beyond time. Shout exactly. out to John Hervey, who was the founder and CEO of Beyond Time Comics. Anyway, it sounds very interesting. I do want to check it out. And we'll check it out. Definitely. If we were not in this pandemic, we would actually do one of our episodes from that location.
1: Definitely. And I'm hoping that by March, before the show closes, maybe so we'll get um, my youngest one uh, vaxxed, or so. at least partially vaxxed, so that way we can go and do those sorts of things, or at least to have a chance to check it out before they close up.
0: Maybe so. My daughters get their second one very soon. Right on. Just a couple of days.
1: Right on. Get sure. your shot, everybody, so we can get out of this thing.
0: Yes, indeed. Amen. And another vibranium infused. Amen. Right on. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the year of Ujamaa. That's right. Sky is black. Sky is Kujichagulia. (laughs) Sky is Kwanzaa. Sky is Kwanzaa. The first annual Pan-African Food Festival will arrive in the summer of 2022 and for the first time ever. Diners will enjoy a true Pan-African table with food and wine from places like Ethiopia, Jamaica, Morocco, New Orleans, Nigeria, Atlanta, Belize, New York, South Africa, Cuba, Brazil, Haiti, Kenya, Barbados, London, Egypt, Ghana, Senegal, and Puerto Rico. Every premier chef of African descent, along with restaurant owners, authors, bartenders, food critics, even YouTube stars, will be invited to participate in the tastiest, spiciest, most down-home and delicious food festival there has ever been. Sure, you've probably had soul food, but you've never, ever been to this flavor town. So join me as we organize, step-by-step, chef-by-chef, a dinner party over a thousand years in the making. Sound like a good time? Somebody say the blessing. Welcome back to Sky is Black. We're having a conversation about our new companion project, The Year of Jama. And I got to say, I'm very, very, very excited about this. I'm actually a little nervous. Actually, I'm not nervous. I'm excited. I'm realistic and sober in my thinking about it, but I'm very excited.
1: Well, I'm excited too,
0: I mean, to be honest. But
1: but part of it is...
0: All we have to do is give 100% of our disposable income to black businesses. That's all we have to do.
1: <laughs> that's all. Okay. That's easy. Okay. We'll be done in two weeks. So listeners enjoy our two episode podcast. We'll simply flip the switch and it'll all be a hundred percent and boom, we're done. Easy breezy. <laughs> part of my trepidation, part of my excitement, part of all of it is that it's goal here is not to be sort of this one-off stunt.
0: And, Absolutely not.
1: And how to do it in a way that's sustainable. You know, we talk about supporting small businesses. And it's one thing if you're buying from a big corporation and you say, oh, you know, there's this new product out, you know, Widget X, and you buy it from some big conglomerate and you don't like it, well, then okay, you move on. Whereas with small businesses, every sale counts. And we mentioned this before in a previous episode, but we talked about the difference between you know, a sale and having someone who purchases something. Customer relationships. Well, and having a customer, which is an ongoing, exactly, an ongoing relationship. And so having a, a one-off sale versus a customer. And so part of part of my, the thing I want to figure out and part of the, the magic here will be to make it to where it's sustainable. Because if we do that, and if we all do that, then you know it'll change it'll change the lives of the business owners of the businesses of the people who are employed by those businesses without going into too much depth but we've talked about this a little bit before when you support small businesses especially if you support small businesses that are in our community that support our community that see our community the ripple effects and dear listener you may be like well what do i care cuz i'm not part of that community The reason you care is twofold. One is that this represents more than one eighth of the population here in America for just being jingoistic for a second. But then beyond that, by supporting small businesses, you're supporting economic efforts and economic activity directly in your community. You're not pumping money that's going to be then diffused out to some shareholders somewhere else or tossing money away. Or, or, or sort of consolidate it into the hands of one rich dude, some rich CEO somewhere, by participating in small businesses. He has a name, you know, <laughs> the man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, but you're, so by by participating in small businesses of whatever stripe it is, you know, you're you're really keeping your money within the community and really reinvesting it in your community. And I think that for those of us in the Black community, I think that creates the opportunity for us to to benefit ourselves by putting truly by putting our money where our mouth is voting with our dollars, voting with our wallets. And so my, my, my mild trepidation is, is that I want to do more than just the one-off sale. And, and quite frankly, part of this whole project for us is to make it to where we're not like, Suffering is the wrong word, but it's the only word that comes to mind because you don't. You want to make sure that that you're doing things that are price competitive, because frequently uh, you don't. Maybe some of these businesses can't scale at the level of a of a Walmart, if you will, mm-hmm. or an Amazon. Mm-hmm. But and so you may not be able to get quite the economies of scale, but. We don't want to pay like this massive premium for, for these products. And also, we want to make sure that they are high, high quality. And, and all of that
0: begins with <clears throat> finding out where black businesses are, visiting and supporting those black businesses, and then making those assessments about what you can support in a sustainable way. And so what we both need to do is discover the black businesses that we are
1: overlooking and may not be aware of. And so just to back up for one second, yeah. when we talk about Ujamaa, mm-hmm. Swahili word, it's part of Kwanzaa. That's it right. It is the upcoming day. The principle there of the seven principles of Kwanzaa is cooperative economics. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about Ujama, so talking about black businesses, small businesses, but help me define that because is it Ujama? if you're supporting a business that is owned or run by an ally? We're going to talk about this more in the
0: very first episode of Year of Ujamaa. But in answer to your question, maybe.
1: And it depends on the percentage. I mean, because like the first place that comes to mind is my favorite little boutique up here in Altadena, Hoopla, which we've mentioned before. And the owners, they're wonderful allies. And that's where I go for my my black-themed holiday cards, or when I want to support local BIPOC artists or food products or locally sourced things, which are often by um, by minority folks. And, and even though they are not directly part of that community, they, they're in our community. And so I'm always thrilled to support them. That is admirable. The question is, is that necessarily
0: Ujamaa, supporting a business of an ally who is progressive, and standing with the community is a beautiful thing and a laudable thing.
1: But is that necessarily Ujama? I kind of think in- it is. They are the purveyor of products that are produced by black producers of products. Now we have that. a top. Now we have a top. So this boutique, they feature greeting cards, birthday cards, anniversary cards that are that are done by black artists. And so I guess you could say, well, it's only a jama if you buy it directly from the black artist's website. But if you go into their storefront and while you're buying your locally sourced honey, you buy a African-American themed holiday card produced by a black artist. That's
0: the key right there. Was it, was it produced by one? And I'm not saying that one should support it or not support it because of that. But in terms of the spirit of jama, if it's produced by a black person then I think that would potentially qualify. Go ahead.
1: Well, but I mean, by my, my point is that if you become a customer of that store, mm-hmm. of, the, of that boutique, to me, is that Ujama? I would say yes. Because even if you, on on day one, you're buying a holiday card. But on day two, you're buying locally sourced honey. Or on day three, you know, week three, you're buying some of their deliciously also locally sourced um, zucchini bread that they sell.
0: That's right.
1: It's really good. But to me, is that still Ujama? Because it's like, You know, if you're not buying a card on that day from that black artist on that day, but you're allowing the storefront run by an ally that features products produced by black purveyors.
0: And that's the point that I was making. Is it a black owned product and a black produced product as opposed to something that was produced by another community, which is good and which is fine. But is that necessarily JAMA? Let's use this example. So if that boutique were to start selling shirts that they designed themselves that said, I am my ancestors' wildest dream, even though it's quote-unquote black-themed and might relate to black people, if it's not a black-owned or black-produced product, is that necessarily Ujama?
1: I am inclined to say yes, with probably a lowercase u, Ujama. <laughs> In this, for for two reasons. One.
0: Might, in, be, a, might be a OOH.
1: <laughs> Jama. Ooh, Jamma. No, I, I would say yes with the lowercase u for two reasons. Reason number one is that it's important for all communities to see each other. And so I'm happy to economically support a, 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 an operation, an establishment that sees me and sees us. I agree with that. But would you say that's you, Jama, though? I'm getting to my second point. Okay. My second point is that if that establishment is a purveyor of many products, a a number of whom are produced by black artists or black um, artisans, Mm -hmm. artisuses, if me, by buying that shirt that was not necessarily produced by a member of our community, helps keep this larger establishment open, so that way they can continue to be sellers and purveyors of items and goods produced by members of our community, then I would say yes, because unless they're like a hyper specialty boutique saying everything in our stores is, is black owned and black produced. And dear listener, if you know those stores, please let us know. But I would imagine that most establishments, whether you're talking about little boutiques like we are right now, or if you're talking about even larger chains like Target, they're going to have a selection of things Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. produced. And so I think that by, and Target's probably not a great example, but, but especially for the smaller businesses, you know, by helping support, you know, the boutiques and the smaller businesses and allowing them to stay afloat through whatever you're buying allows there to be an ongoing outlet for these black produced products,
0: and I agree with that. The
1: only distinction that
0: i 'm making is a company that is worthy of support versus Ujama.
1: part of I think of our goal here with our year of UjaMA is to one hundred
0: percent of our disposable income to black businesses, yes. <laughs> Worthy goal, possible goal. That's
1: an ambitious goal. We we want. It's
0: a a ridiculous goal.
1: It's we want. We want to you know eliminate all death. It's the war on death. You know we want to conquer, make it to where everyone can live with it forever. I mean, those are all admirable things, and you know eliminate one hundred percent of poverty. It will none of these things will ever get to one hundred percent. But I think the poor will always be with us," said our Lord. Hopefully not. We can hopefully we can figure out a way to to eliminate that as much as possible. But I think part of the thing, though, is, is that a couple episodes ago, we were talking about how there's been some changes in the healthcare system and how they've gone from these race-based diagnoses to this concept of a race-conscious diagnosis mm-hmm. to where, you know, instead of saying, okay, you're black, so your diagnosis must be X. Whereas, and so rather than sort of leading with that, Then instead saying, hey, this person has symptoms A, B, and C, and they are black, so the diagnosis could be whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so you factor in that, but not necessarily have it at the front. And my thought is to have our – if we can shift all of our economic power to one, maybe not necessarily race-based purchasing, but – race-conscious purchasing, saying, you know, I am going to support establishments that, that support us. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for example, I'll give you a silly example. I will admit to, actually, this is like a confessional thing here.
0: It's okay. It's only the worldwide black community.
1: I have, dear listener, an egg McMuffin habit. I occasionally enjoy a delicious egg McMuffin. From, well, from McDonald's. I'll admit it. I, I enjoy a, a delicious egg McMuffin occasionally from McDonald's.
0: Haven't had one of those in years, but they were delicious.
1: Delicious. And so so the thing is, though, going back to Yervujama, there are two establishments near me. Um, there is a, a, a McDonald's in La Cunata, uh just across the Arroyo, the, the about a five-minute drive. And there is a McDonald's just down the street. Um, that's about a three minute drive. This one down the street is actually a little bit busier. So usually a longer line. And I don't know who owns the franchises of each of these establishments. So that's one thing. Because I think that if it was a black owned franchise of a larger you know company, I think that might be a to support them. But there are so many people working at my near my McDonald's who are black that You'd think it was black owned. And so when I go to get my Egg McMuffin fix, which I try not to do too often because otherwise, problem, you know, probably lowercase u is ujama to support the one that hires a lot of black folks.
0: You mentioned the distinction between race based and race conscious. One would argue that ujama is, in fact, race based economics. Being very conscious and deliberate about supporting Black-owned businesses. One, one could argue that the true spirit of Ujamaa is that, and being a citizen of the world, being progressive and recognizing and loving everyone on the planet and being allies to everyone, those are perhaps two different things. One is Ujamaa, supporting specifically Black-owned businesses. The other is is being a decent human being.
1: But of course you... Disagree. (laughs) Slightly. I mean, I... To me, it's... I guess being a decent human being sort of is a baseline for me. So that's... That... You know... And and maybe I'm naive in the sense that I expect everyone to be a decent human being. But I think that when I think about Ujamaa, when I think about Kwanzaa, and I'll admit I'm new to Kwanzaa, the whole idea is to raise your consciousness, raise your awareness. And so... Part of it is, like, for example, this is some research that I have not done yet, Uh, but we were joking earlier uh, when we were originally formulating this whole project about, you know, does this mean, does your vagina mean I have to give up my Tarjay habit? Actually, my wife's Tarjay habit. But, um, and I think that the answer is no. no.
0: The answer to that is no.
1: And one big reason for that is that there are a number of black owned brands that are sold through target. Correct. And so then the trick then, and this is why I say race conscious buying is that you need to be aware of it. You have to be conscious of the fact that brand you know X is black owned versus brand Y. And if, if essentially if it's all the same to you, if it's, I'm making it up. If it's paper towels and the paper towels from brand X is black owned and the paper towel from brand Y is not. And, you know, really they're kind of the same paper towel and the price is about the same. Then get brand X, get the black owned brand. And that's what I mean by race conscious is that, and I guess it's semantics in terms of race based versus race conscious, but, but really it's a matter of saying, you know, being more aware and dear listener, even if you're not part of this community, it's probably a good exercise to be more aware of where your dollars are going. I think that if we're more aware of where our dollars are going and then, okay, if it's, if it's all the same, essentially, then we can, we can shift a little bit of that and move that percentage up from, let's say you and I were talking earlier about maybe 5% of our purchasing power goes towards black owned businesses. 110. Well, good for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Show's over, folks. Thank you very much for for listening. One hundred and ten. One hundred and ten. Uh, goal goal achieved. But the but if we can if we can just take whatever that percentage is and just double it through our everyday purchasing, if we can to, we can make it to where it borders on being, I guess the point I'm making with regards to race conscious purchasing is to where it to where you can do it in a way that's almost effortless to where. You make a small switch and you make a number of small switches as opposed to having to always like, what's happening here?
0: But you need to have the information and you need to make deliberate decisions. So using your example about the paper towels, you have to know who is the black owned paper towel company. And the reality is, is that I don't know the black owned paper towel company. But once I figure out that there is, in fact, a black owned paper towel company, then I can make some conscious decisions. 50% of the time, I'm going to be purchasing these, or 100% of the time, I'm going to be purchasing these, or whatever it may be, but it begins with sort of knowledge and information, then we can make culturally responsible, vibranium-infused decisions. I want to go back to
1: ownership for one second. Yes. Let me ask you a question. Yes. You mentioned the former CEO of Ben & Jerry's. Mm -hmm. Yes, I did. So if he still were the CEO of Ben & Jerry's, would buying your Ben & Jerry's, would getting your Oreo cookie ice cream... Be considered Ujama.
0: The answer to me is no. I don't think it's necessarily Ujama. I will say this: I am one thousand percent down with Ben and Jerry's. I love them as a company, but I'm supporting them because they are fantastic and will support them, even as I'm doing Ujama. So I don't see those things in conflict with one another. Okay, uh, I think they are complementary. I love the fact that they did have a. a a black CEO, but even if they didn't have a black CEO, I would still support Ben and Jerry's because of who they are and what their values are. And of course, ultimately the, the product that they put out there is
1: great and delicious. Of course. Um, Let me ask you a more pro- problematic question. Yes. So there is a very well-known chicken sandwich franchise out there mm-hmm. that the CEO has some challenges and has some problematic point of view with regards to our mm-hmm. community and, mm-hmm. and some of our allied communities mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, i know i know where you're going i know where you're going what if a franchise of that is black owned
0: that would certainly be ujama if you were eating at that particular eatery eatery
1: <laughs> so so you your politically incorrect chicken sandwich if it's through a black owned franchise
0: it would certainly be ujama I think it'd be irresponsible, but it's definitely Ujamaa because I mean, if Ujamaa is in fact supporting black-owned businesses, then yes, it falls under the category of Ujamaa.
1: Or Ir- irresponsible Ujamaa is that such a thing?
0: I think it can be. Okay. Actually, I think it, I think it can be without you know getting too deep within the <laughs> veil. Um, the Uncle Tom syndrome is a real thing. The fact that it's a black owned business doesn't necessarily mean that it is vibranium infused
1: Okay, even though I will admit they're tasty chicken sandwiches
0: they are very tasty that gets really to the heart of the matter and so the distinction that I would make between the two is that one is black owned if I were supported yes I'm in the spirit of Ujama but if I'm going to Ben and Jerry's even though it's not black owned but black run at various points in time black run I'm still being a decent human being by Ben and Jerry's support. And I'll tell you why I love Ben and Jerry so much. Hear what their values are. It says, we love making ice cream, but using our business to make the world a better place gives our work its meaning. Guided by our core values, we seek in all we do at every level of our business to advance human rights and dignity, support social and economic justice for historically marginalized communities and protect and restore the Earth's natural systems. In other words, we use ice cream to change the world. And so that is their values and, that, and their mission. So do I want to support that? Absolutely, I Absolutely.
1: do. I'm going to go get a pint of ice cream right now. Absolutely, I do. I use my cylindrical scooper to make the, a, a, a cone from that.
0: Absolutely. And so they, they have made stances on social issues that I agree with 100% across the board. I mean, so they have stood with Colin Kaepernick, with Black Lives Matter, across the board, have been on point. And so supporting them, is that Ujama? I would say no. Do they need to be supported? I say yes. And I will support them because I'm all
1: about who they are and what they're doing. I just wouldn't call it Ujama. And what's great about that is they've been able to keep those values and keep that stance even though they've been bought by the mothership the giant Unilever conglomerate and yet they're still able to keep that bubble maybe it's vibranium maybe it, who knows what it is but they've been able to keep that bubble to to maintain that still headquartered in Burlington Vermont and you know shout out to them yes indeed shout out to them
0: one of the things that we're going to be doing in our podcast is really sort of breaking down literally every economic choice that there is to make. And so on a typical day, in a typical week, you think of, okay, I need to go to the car wash. I need to go to the store. I need to go to the cleaners. I need to get some new shoes. I need to do this, that, and the other. And really sort of looking each of those decisions. Okay. If I, if I need to get some shoes, where is the black owned shoe store? I need to buy some furniture. Where's the black owned furniture store. I need to get some groceries. Where is the black
1: owned grocery store? And I still ask the question that if there is let 's just take a grocery store mm-hmm. let 's say there 's a grocery store, and you frequently have seen in communities of color black communities, brown communities indigenous communities you 've noticed that there're food deserts and there 's and some of these major chains some of the major grocery stores just aren 't there. Uh, at all, and and it's frustrating. And so, if some of those guys, you know, make establish a beachhead, mm-hmm. if you will, may not be the right term, but if they have an establishment, an extraction point, an extraction port, or perhaps an extraction port um, in those communities, and let's say they employ people too. Let's say they employ people who are in that community, mm-hmm. so they are a, a source of employment and a source of nutrition and good food. Is supporting that, even though it's not black owned, fill in the blank grocery store. Right.
0: Sharecropping was a source of employment as well. And so we have to be very critical how
1: we look at those particular issues. But go ahead. But I guess my question is, is that, you know, is it Ujamaa to support it? You know, because I would say with a lowercase U, it is. A because, O-H. <laughs> I would say it is, because if you if you said, well, you know, it's a big corporation and I'm not going to support them because it's an extraction point and it's sharecropping and it's all these other things and you don't support it, if the numbers go down, then that grocery store closes. And not only is there no employment, but then it becomes even more of a food desert. And so is it Ujamaa to support that grocery store? My answer is yes, but be conscious of the fact that you're doing so. Again, those are two different things. I
0: would not necessarily conflate the two. I think it's important to support black workers in various ways and be conscious of how our our dollars impact employment realities for people. But I would not necessarily say that supporting that business, even though it employs a lot of black people, is ujama. There will never be an alternative to that scenario unless black-owned small businesses are supported and get the chance to grow and get the chance to compete with those other conglomerates.
1: Okay. I mean, because. It's tricky. It, it is tricky because, I mean, going to the. Trick, 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 trick. Here we go.
0: It's <laughs> tricky to rock around, to rock around, to rock around. It's tricky. What is it? It's <laughs> tricky. Tricky. <laughs>
1: On one hand, you want to keep your dollars in the family, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the family, in your community. You want to promote self-reliance, economic self-reliance. Mm-hmm. And then also you want to you want to lift up everyone. You want to lift up those who are vulnerable, those who are not doing so well socioeconomically. Yes. And so to me...
0: Of all stripes.
1: Of all stripes. And part of the reason why I have perhaps a more expansive sense of ujama mm-hmm. is that to me not everyone can be a black business owner not everyone can and maybe not everyone even wants to be a black business owner because as you and I both know owning a business is not like a, a walk in the park all the time but so to me my the reason I have this more expansive view of it mm-hmm. is that if I can use my and my family and All of you dear listeners, if we can harness our economic buying power to support black communities, frankly, in any way, economically, that to me, whether it's uppercase, lowercase, or with extra vowels, I mean, vowels are expensive, by the way. Double O-H. But to me, that does count as ujamaa. And, and yes, dear listener, on our podcast, we'll continue this, this conversation and continue this de- debate, but, you know, when we talk about cooperative economics, you know, shared social wealth, you know, it's going to be more than just funneling money to black business owners. I mean,
0: one would argue that that is the very definition of Ujama. Yay, the very definition.
1: So, you know, so part of the reason why I have this larger definition, and like I said, we on the podcast, we will continue to go into this the reason why we have this as a spinoff podcast we're gonna break it down is because this is something that's an in-depth conversation in terms Mm -hmm. of our big goal is to get all of us to wakanda and yes once again dear listener why should you care if you're not part of the black community is because when we get there you guys have the option to come along with us and and so part of that though is It's not a free ride. And so when we talk about cooperative economics, when we talk about how we actually get there, a lot of it's going to be on entrepreneurship, economics, and truly making the way there. And so… Informed, conscious decisions. Exactly. And so we invite you to listen to that podcast so look for it we'll have a link to it the year of ujama mm-hmm. as we continue to drive in depth about this yes indeed and then also you know of course on our main podcast we'll we'll, we'll continue this conversation here too and and we're going to get we, we got to get ready we got we got this week between christmas and new year's to get ready just a few more days because then january 1 it's on Oh, it's on. It's on and cracking. <laughs> and so I want to take a, the time now, though, to thank all of you, especially for those of you who've been listening for, to us in the fall. Mm-hmm. You know, towards the end of the year, you always have your reminiscence and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I want to thank each and every one of you who've yes. been listening to us. We launched this podcast in October, and we've been going now uh, for a number of episodes. And so I want to thank all of you for listening to us here on Sky is Black.
0: Definitely want to give a shout out to all the folks who are part of the worldwide Sky is Black community. We talk a lot about NK. We talk about Tamit. We talk about the Africa Center, David Ajay, Alondra Nelson, Carlotta Berry, Ruha Benjamin. We talk about organizations like Black Girls Code, Black Code Collective, Black VC, the Black Innovation Alliance, Black in AI, Latinx in AI, Black Women in AI, black and robotics, black and computing, black and engineering, black and data, black and math, black and neuro, data for black lives, bdpa, nesb. We want to thank all of you for being part of the worldwide sky is
1: black community. We love you guys. You can see a long list of a lot of those people on our Instagram followers list, people who we follow. That will be more significant starting in 2022. We are future-facing conversations with and about leaders, innovators, entrepreneurs of Black and African descent spanning the entire African diaspora. Check us out on your Check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. Look for us, find us, and give us your ideas and feedback.
0: It is not about you. It is not about me. It is about...
1: Target. (laughs) Yeah, the the hardest part's gonna be getting rid of my, seeing what I can do. I'm not sure if I'm gonna completely be able to dial back my Amazon habit. I think my, actually, my one of my devices just buzzed right now because probably an Amazon thing was being shipped right now. But year of Ujamaa, sky is black. We are going to. You get to see all of our all of our dirty laundry. It's going to be a a, a messy process. We're not going to necessarily be smooth and and crisp about it, but you will see it, and and hopefully our process will help all of us all of you and all of us make better informed economic decisions so sky is black sky is black baby